0: This episode of the Cult and Culture Podcast is presented by Thunder Road Guitars.
1: Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest's best source of premium new used and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals.
0: Online or in their Seattle and Portland shops, you will find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe.
1: Real people offering real service. Use code COLT CULTURE 10 to get 10% off at www.thunderroadguitars.com. <laughs>
0: DistroKid now
1: also has a motherfucking app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can now get an additional 30% off if you go to distrokid.com forward slash VIP forward slash Colt. That's distrokid.com forward slash VIP forward slash colt. Or you can get it in the app store. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now, on sale, and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Colton Culture listeners get 10% off by using the code FRET10. F-R-E-T-1-0. That's code FRET10 at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Fuck. All right, we're rolling. Rolling. Planet B. Presents. 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 Cult and Culture Podcast. Hey, this is Justin Pearson. And this is Luke Hinshaw.
0: And this is episode 19 of the Cult and Culture Podcast. This episode features Carlos Paez um, of B-Side Players and Sonido de la Frontera. Maiz. A San Diego legend. Um, The dude everybody knows and loves the guy. So it was cool to finally fully be able to work with that guy um, since 3 1 G got to release the Sonido de la, de la Frontera album, which which was an odd thing for 3 1 G. And some people got it and other people will get it because you can't deny it. it's a badass record. And as uh, soon as people hear it, there's just, you can't, yeah, you can't argue against it. So, right. um, And it was cool too that we got to do the Locust um, Sonido de la Frontera tour short tour I guess it's no. a few few shows but um it made so much sense to the locust and to I think the what is in the DNA of us San Diegans you know it, like it just totally made sense to to have those two bands together and it was cool to challenge people that aren't necessarily used to that kind of thing or expecting to see a cumbia band and then and then the locust so it was it was rad it was rad to hang out with them and and, and it, I think it really I think it brought at least brought me closer to him as far as his his you know, personality and knowing him as a you know as a friend, um, but seeing him perform was just uh, is unbelievable every night. I mean, the guy just has he's a he's a natural and he has the ability to um, engage with the audience, which is something
1: that I wish I did. <laughs> and it was also great learning the history of B side, like the long history. Not many bands, if any, here at all, you know, can say, "Hey, we've been active for over twenty five years," yeah. and not just like. Hey, you know, we were active in the 90s and then we took a break for five years and then we came back and then reunited after this many years. Like, they've been fucking active, yeah, for over 25 years playing all the time. And, and it's also,
0: I mean, it was cool too. And not, not that it's that important, you know, to maybe to the listener of this podcast, but like to me, it was important that like my, 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 um, introduction was through punk and hardcore and it was cool that that kind of was a common thread and still is in that guy's life you know and and a lot of the stuff he does it's it's rad to see that i i think you know uh mutate Mm -hmm. into other other realms of of music and art and culture
1: yeah absolutely
0: so yeah i guess without further ado
1: um no let's let's just jock him some more okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um so I want okay so if we can I want to start from the from the beginning because my introduction to you as a mm-hmm. as an artist was through this is a, it's like a, it's a weird maybe it's not that weird maybe you can shed light on it but it was through Sergio mm-hmm. from from Amenity, Amenity yeah. so I mean I grew up in you know the punk and hardcore scene and I remember mm-hmm. you know being a big fan of Amenity and I knew he kind of did other stuff but mm-hmm. then everyone's like, oh, it's like, Sergio's in this new band, mm-hmm. B-side Players. And, yeah. I was, and I checked it out and I was like, what the fuck is he doing, mm-hmm. man? This is crazy. And then it was like, I mean, cause also too, we're from San Diego. So I think we have a, we have, uh artistic diversity maybe in our dna yeah so it was it it was acceptable you know maybe like in some other city it might have been like not acceptable but for me i was like okay so sergio's in this band i'm gonna that i'm gonna check it out and i'm digging it Uh and then that's it that's all it took you know
2: well as far as like um sergio hernandez that was the the that was the genesis of b-side players b-side players was like um Um, was created by Sergio and I and Sergio approached me and I was in the music scene doing some more like, you know, alternative, like Jane's Addiction style kind of music and we were just doing little cafes and playing Tijuana bars um, during the whole amenity um, when amenity transformed into House of Suffering. Mm. So it was kind of like the last days of... of, um, of Sergio's like hardcore scene, uh, he, I don't know what happened, but he just kind of had a, re- a revelation where he just wanted to he wanted to play dance music, but uh, Chicano-based dance music, and that was the how him and I came together because we had the the thing. My uh, background is from um, from like uh, my dad's uh, musical background, which is like Los Moonlights which is the Tijuana band that was uh, pretty big in the 60s and 70s. And uh, I think Sergio knew about like my upbringing and he knew that I wanted to start a, a, like a Chicano Latin band, like a big band with horns. So that's how we came together. uh, And that was our mutual kind of a mutual agreement. Like let's start a, a Chicano Latin band from Chula Vista that incorporates a big sound with horns, and and we were both record collecting at the time, so we were listening to a lot of the East Coast salsa, like the Fania All Stars, and um, you know Willie Bobo, all the all the old Latin uh, artists from the 60s, and not only that, but we were also inspired by the West Coast Latin, which was like El Chicano, uh, Carlos Santana, Malo. Tierra, all that music, that's how me and Sergio were like, let's start a project uh. around this kind of vibe. And I'm like, well, it has to be big, the band's gonna be big, so. Instantly, yeah, Instantly we started bringing people in, and, and so we, we just brought. Wait, oh, do you
0: mean big, like physically big, or like big popularity big? No, maybe?
2: no, we were thinking of a big band, like uh. let's start a big band, like yeah. a 10 piece, you know. Whoa. Like we want we want you know the roads we want we yeah. want the horn section so I'm like yeah so I was in charge of of recruiting a horn section and and we were both in charge of getting like uh, people yeah, rhythm, rhythm and everything so we started recruiting people but we were really limited and we just started kind of scouting and at that time it was like the early 90s so there was a Whole Renaissance of the acid jazz movement from Europe that hit L.A. and it was coming coming down to San Diego, and uh, we were really like, um, oh, we like this acid jazz thing because it's exactly what we want to do with the Latin thing, but it's a little bit more funky, jam based, like long songs and a lot of solos, like instrumental. So um that's when we started recruiting our musicians we were just jamming instrumentals like you know long 13 minute songs where everybody solos and it's like all right this is the so we were we were Sergio and I started hanging out and going I'm going to see bands um and start getting inspired you know and uh, one of the bands that really blew us up was a band called Section 8 from uh Los Angeles which uh a lot of people don't know about, but Section Eight was like a eight piece funk band. Really cool name, because Section Eight. I grew up Section mm-hmm. Eight. That means like low income apartments and all that. So I'm all man, this is that's badass. The bands called Section Eight, and they are yeah. just straight funk instrumental. But later on, those, uh, we found out those guys were like the nephews of Parliament, like the grandchildren, um, which later on became came weapons of choice. You know, all these all these bands that we were we were going to go get inspired by, uh, the Soul Sonics from L.A. The Soul Sonics was a band that would come to Ole Madrid Tuesday nights. That was like where me and Sergio would go see live music. And I wasn't even 21 yet, but we would get in. And um, the Ole Madrid, which is Mauricio, who uh, opened up the restaurant yeah. in uh, Little Italy that uh, became like a,
1: Oh well, we played for Halloween. Yeah,
2: Um, what's it called? Well, Mauricio, he's like a big. He's a big. uh, This guy's been doing restaurants, and he's been in the game for so long, and he built like a Tuesday night, like a world music kind of vibe, at Ole Madrid on Fifth Avenue in downtown. So the way to get in underage was you would I would go early and order dinner. Mm-hmm. and then and then stay at my dinner table and then the band would come and i would sneak into the to see the bands because uh he was bringing in like the brand new heavies mm-hmm. which uh me and sergio had in common as like a a band that we really loved, and that's that's like the more funk the european funk stuff you know also jamara quiet was like a big influence of ours so we saw like these, this band called the soul sonics was a uh, which was a band that was started by Jump, uh, Jump, Jump with Joey. I think a drummer from uh, the old school ska days of Los Angeles, but he was mm-hmm. doing a more acid jazz kind of vibe. So we were like, "Oh, we like this acid jazz thing." So at that time, we got our shit together. We recruited some some players, but we couldn't find a drummer. So we we got like drummers from like uh, from the Chula Vista scene. Mm-hmm. That were like, you know, Sergio had all the all the musicians from the straight edge scene. Yeah. Like, uh, so our first drummer was Joshua from, I think, a band called Statement. Do you remember Statement? Yeah. yeah. Joshua was like, so that was our first B side drummer. Whoa. But we were just like, and he played hard. You know, this drummer played hard, and we were like, just groove it, Josh. Just groove it, and he (laughs) grooved it.
0: He's also a bass player in Forced Down. Maybe? Yes,
2: Forced Down, yeah. which goes, yeah. which, like, is there's so much B side has so much to do with like the straight edge scene yeah. from Chula Vista because I grew up, you know, in, th- these were all house parties back in the days. Yeah. Like, there were big house parties, mm-hmm. but but Amenity got out there. Amenity got uh, because that's like a scene where, you know, a national scene where he, it just spread like the the straight edge scene and Chula Vista was like one of those towns that was known for a, a lot of straight edge bands, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of great bands that, yeah. if you know about straight edge music, you know about Chula Vista and the scene, and so yeah, like I knew who Sergio was. Sergio was, he was already established in that scene, but at that time he wanted to do something different. He wanted to start making people dance, you know, like, and groove, and, and I understood that, and so we were on the same page. So like our, our musicians were like mixed ex-punk rock musicians. From Joshua came um, Joaquin from Chicken Farm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Chicken Farm was more like a, a more little hard, hardcore punk rock band from uh, from down south, from Otay. They were just more grimier, like, uh, you know. Once Joaquin joined the band, that was it. Like That was our drummer, like this was, because now we had a real Latin drummer that knew about Latin music right. and about um, doing different uh, rhythm times, you know, 6-8, and not just playing a, a funky beat, but mm-hmm. he was just schooled in, like, different rhythms. So and no,
0: white, no white folks.
2: So no, we didn't have no white folks at the time. Not yet. So oh, um, you sold out at some point, though. Yeah, we sold out at <laughs> one time. So now, now we got the rhythm section, and then... Of course, like all our drummers were like ex punk rockers mm-hmm. from the kids.
1: Yeah, you had Vic. Was, yeah, Vic yeah. was
2: from the kids. All these straight edgers and punk rockers wanted to fucking play. They wanted to go back to like their parents' mm-hmm. record collection that they ignored for so long and stayed away from because they're like, nah, that's mom and dad shit. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm a punk rocker, I'm a straighter, I'm gonna do my shit. But it was in the back it was that's their catalogue that they grew up with. That's mom vacuuming in the morning, like to Carlos Santana or to like yeah, with the cocktail. you know, Ray Barreto or Malo. Yeah. It's all in the back of your head. Like you can run away from it, but eventually you can, you know. They were tired of the scene of the punk rock scene, the San Diego scene, which was it's it's a hard it, it san diego was that town that you know we had such good music but and they were they were always saying oh it's Diego's gonna blow up yeah. it's gonna blow <laughs> up it's the next seattle it's mm-hmm. this and that and you but know that was
0: very specific to like uh that star. yeah from the crypt and, and john john reese's world yes it, it kind of excluded everybody else
2: it excluded everyone else yes and and i and those guys paid their dues forever and they were they're they're hardcore, to me they're hardcore. They they pay their dues, but they were ready to do something different, which that's how they brought me in because they knew that at that time I was like, oh, I want to do uh, something like my dad, you know? I want to do, mm-hmm. like I want to do a cumbia thing Uh because my dad, my dad uh, hits were cumbia. They, he did 16 records. Mm. But the hits that he's remembered by were the Cumbia songs. Mm. And so I already knew about Cumbia way back before all this. Mm. And I was like, okay, so let's do this. So then after we got our our little band together and, you know...
0: The little nine-piece band? A little yeah. nine-piece band. <laughs> I mean,
2: yeah. And uh, we were sharing a studio in the National S- City Studios with uh, P.O.D. P.O.D. Oh, at the Sweetwater? time. They were my yeah. friends yeah. and they were they were just getting their shit together early 90s and so we we started sharing a studio to share the rent because it was a little pricey and so we were this big old band of all all brown kids we were still young and we were just drinking 40s and you know smoking blunts and this was like the early 90s like blunt that was blunts and 40s era you know so we were like, all right, all right, POD's coming. Like, let's wrap it up. And POD would come in, and we would leave all this fucking mess. <laughs> and they, they were like, dude, what's up, bro? Like, we we don't drink, and you guys are leaving all this alcohol stuff. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, bro. Like, that's not going to happen again. Like, all right, let's fucking keep this a respectful thing. And so I totally remember those days where, like,
1: they're like we're gonna pay you back by leaving bibles <laughs> <laughs> oh, no
2: we're, we're, but uh, the thing was like my memory of pod was marcos the guitarist mm-hmm. him telling me he's all bro i'm gonna be a rock star dude like we're gonna fucking be big homie like i know you don't see it but we are but can i borrow a dollar for a burrito <laughs> i'm like yeah you can, a fucking dollar dude and then he would go to the next guy can I borrow a dollar for a burrito? And Marco's dude was always like, he was the chubby guy in the band, like he wanted a burrito, mm-hmm. and look where P.O.D. fucking sold. I think they sold over 50, over 50 million records, whatever.
0: All, yeah. the, all the fucking panhandling for dollars yeah. uh, paid
2: off. So, <laughs> so
1: should go get your dollar back.
2: B-Side started getting their shit together, and then boom, here we go. We started playing live around town, and back then, the music scene was Ole Madrid, which was like, oh man, we got to do Ole Madrid because that's the music we're listening to. Like I got to see Guru at, at Ole mm-hmm. Madrid. Like Guru was the, the rapper back in the days. Like Jazz Taz, yep. Jasmine Taz mm-hmm. was like mixing the live music.
0: It was like Grey Boy All Stars. Yeah, so like, so, like
2: so, now, so now we're in Ole Madrid, playing Ole Madrid, and then the green, uh, uh, what's it called the green circle bar opens mm-hmm. up Oh yeah. and then Gray Boy All Stars are residential and they ask us do you guys want a residency there so we start doing like an off night Thursday or something and and then it just blows up and that's based around the whole acid jazz kind of days uh, Steve Cater all the DJs were, were Nigel from the UK was coming down and spinning like all jazz and funk and those were probably the best days of my life because that was just good music. Yeah, so free. And, um, you know, Carl Denson was, was playing with a Boy All-Stars and then Lenny Kravitz was like, let's go, Carl Denson. So then Harold Todd came and replaced him. Harold Todd was like a flute player, a saxophone player. That And then when, when Lenny Kravitz stopped touring, Carl Denson would come back to the great ball all-stars and i'm and i was like harold todd what's up let's go on the road so we got b-side players finally we got gigs we got a booking agent so now we're we're doing west coast and uh so we took harold todd on the road so now we have like an established soloist mm. and then it was just unstoppable but at that time the la scene was of course and that whole music was was big. It was just instrumental funk and soul, but we were like the only band that was mixing the Latin thing. Like this was before mm-hmm. Ozomatli, before all that. Yeah. Like B Side Players. Like we were just a little ahead of the time with the Latin thing. So we were doing the acid jazz funk groove, but with Latin, which means uh, the Latin would include like the percussion. Like the uh, the percussion was like timbal congas and drums and then we would go into these crazy drum breaks that was just like you know because a lot of us were taking these um african drumming classes at southwestern college Uh and so we were all into the afro into the afro beat and the african rhythms like the traditional rhythms so we were all incorporating that into the latin music into the groove and the funk so it was like sounding like a it was like a definitely a world music thing that we were mm. and we had that punk rock edge because of what what we had so we were like it just was a new sound and in la it blew up so now we're in la and black IPs are opening up for us and uh, now we're doing residencies in la and it's just it's just like a whole different vibe but we never liked the la vibe we just didn't feel it like to us it just was like a talent show, like people were like, like, uh, you guys sound like this and that, like they never gave us like, like respect as far as like, hey, you know, they they would always like compare us to someone else and we're like, nah, man, we're B-side, like we're, I don't know what you're talking about. But that's like
0: an industry thing. It's an
2: industry Mm -hmm. thing, yeah. And we knew, and then from all the people that were hitting us up in LA, you need to do this and that, and we did. We did everything they told us to do. Go do this television show and go do this. Go do this radio show and we did all that, and we were just over it. So we we're just like, let's fucking just skip LA and go straight to the Bay Area. Yeah. And we went to the Bay Area, dude, and it was over. Like, we're like, this is our fucking second home, mm-hmm. dude. The Mission District is mm-hmm. like, to me, it's like mm-hmm. Barrio Logan back in the days and we just did the elbow room, we just murdered it there. We were selling out the elbow room, we were doing Friday and Saturdays, and we were making more money because we were controlling the door, which they don't let Mm -hmm. these places, none of these places let you do that no more. Control the door, and you get all the money, the door money, and we were just murdering it. We established our own ticket price, and every time we went up, we added a couple, bucks our ticket price until until we were making so much money and selling out both nights and now san francisco is like we we got san francisco let's go to san jose let's go fucking control Mm -hmm. san jose and then all right let's start going up let's start going up the coast and we just started doing all the hippie towns chico Mm. and the humble and then we just started doing california for like five years like b-side boom boom murdering it and then we from there we were having a good time all of us like we were in a we were all young and and making music and you know we recorded a little record uh our first cd and we were just touring and just doing good doing cal the california thing you know we did some big festivals and it wasn't until we booked uh we got all these booking agents for we're trying to, you know, we got this 10-piece Latin band from San Diego. All these booking agents were like, let's go. Like, what's up? Like, you got we have meetings with these booking agents. And we're like, this one guy, his name was Tom Windish. He just was like, you guys need to sign with me. Like, I got you now. As soon as you sign, like, we're doing the East Coast thing. And we signed with Tom Windish. And if you look up Tom Windish uh, now... He's like an empire. Like this dude is one of the best booking agents in like the world. This guy, like back then, he was he was just getting started, but now he's an empire. Everybody knows yeah. Tom Wendish. So once Tom Wendish took over, we were just U.S. coast to coast for like, and it never stopped from that. If like ten years went by. B side was just traveling nonstop. You know, and
0: how and like with a 10 piece band, though, how would you travel? That was
2: crazy. We were doing the van thing with the trailer and with 10 people, with 10 people. It was we were always like a nine piece, you know, no less than nine piece. At that time, everybody, um, I was brainwashed and I would brainwash others like, we're hey, this is our budget, we're gonna make 500 bucks a week, everyone, but we're gonna be traveling and we're gonna be going everywhere and like everybody was down. And we would come home with no money because mm-hmm. all your expenses, yeah. you know, your food. And I mean, the band would pay for hotels and all that. And well, that's the thing with B-Side, like we were never squatters. We never mm-hmm. really were like, the, like. let's go sleep at couch. some homie's yeah. house. Yeah. Like yeah. we were never that, we were, we were always like, let's get some hotels, like we deserve it. We yeah. were, we've been working hard. So we always were a hotel band and that was a big expense, of course. Uh-huh. So we never really came home with any money. But we were, at this point, we were just doing like 180 shows a year, dude. Like, ridiculous. Like, it turned. out.
0: <coughs> so what about like when you would play outside of, you know, like you said, playing like in the Mission District and stuff like that. But when you'd start hitting up like Chico, where it's like all these like white college students and shit. So at that tripping? point, Chico
2: uh-huh. was the number one party school in the nation. Yeah. In the nation. Like, wow. Playboy put this article up like the number one party schools and chico was number one so we didn't know that so when we go to chico it's just like crazy it's like it's it's just like a festival but it's a regular night and people are going off so we're like okay let's keep coming back to chico and we just kept coming back so we started getting all these little towns that we these little markets and these towns that we really were good at because like you have to understand like a band like us we had no radio play mm-hmm. we had no record sales so all our are the way that back then there was no social media there was nothing like we would travel off a map and the best way to like to make money was like return to these places mm-hmm. where like you're, you're making, making money, money you know and the and the club owners are like dude our we don't know what the hell happened tonight, but you guys play <laughs> Latin music and you make everyone dance. And we sold out of all our tequila yeah. and all our Mexican beer. And that's never happened before. Wow. And later on, I like, I would talk to people like at the belly up, like Solana beach, a uh, place that we're familiar with, a uh, San Diego musicians. That's like um, a really nice part of town in en- Encinitas, Solana mm-hmm. beach. And I started having a, a relationship with the bartenders they were like man i love when you play here and i was like am i like, really you love you love our music he's like he's like i love your music but when you play here i make so much money you know like i'm a bartender here i bartending here for 15 years and when you come play here like we sell out of all the all the tequila mm-hmm. all the, and it, that's all what it comes lights. to it comes to like business like with you have to understand like like a reggae band is going to play but like people are going to they'll drink one beer, two beers at the most yeah. and they're going to go smoke weed outside yeah. and they'll order water salsa salsa music is dance music they want to dance the whole time they'll drink water all night they're not yeah. gonna, they're not a drinking crowd it's a dancing crowd um underage shows there's no alcohol um so a band like us wherever we went these bar owners it was all business it was like the numbers it's all about numbers it's not about numbers of how many people are in there no. it's about alcohol sales alcohol sales is a, another number that the band never knows about we ne- they don't they're not going to tell us how much they made at mm. the bar yeah unless you build a relationship with the bartenders and you find out these things and we're like i was like oh my god like really like you made, you guys made that much money on alcohol so that's why we're like, to this day, like we play like Mo's Alley, like a bar where like, they sell out of alcohol because it's, mm-hmm. the music we play, it's party music. When you mix genres of music like mariachi, cumbia, reggae, funk, it's just like a party vibe. It's a party dance vibe. And it's like, I'm gonna dance and then I'm gonna go get a drink. Yeah. I'm gonna dance, I'm gonna get another drink and I'm gonna buy, my friends drinks, uh, and it's a drinking kind of. We've always been a a drinking party party band, you know, and and I think that has a lot to do with the big band also. Seeing the big band uh, thing, it's just like this this like energy, you know, and you're you're watching nine musicians on stage moving and playing, and you get loose, you get loose. Yeah, you're in it's the a group. loose thing. Yeah. So. That going back to Sergio being from a straight edge scene to now you're like in a party band and you're you're playing to drunk people every <laughs> yeah, night. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: I mean, Sergio was
1: probably playing to a lot of drunk punks. Yeah, you know I'm you sure mean, he was. Yeah. <laughs> I was drunk at the straight edge shows.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. So I didn't yeah. care. I heard about you like guys, more, yeah.
0: More beer for me. <laughs> <laughs> but you are the only original member on B-Side, right? I'm the only original <laughs>
2: member, but I think that has to do with the lifestyle that we created um which is the touring lifestyle mm-hmm. and uh people just started falling out it's just the the band never really we never made money yeah. we never came up with money like to this day so i i think that's why people were like dude this is a cool like i gotta get out of the cool <laughs> you know what i mean yeah like it's fun i'm i'm having a great yeah. time i love playing b-side but like, I need to get my shit together.
0: But there, I mean, that happens too, like even in punk bands, it's like, well, you know, at the end of the day, the 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 it's not that I came home with a lot of money, I came home with life experiences. Exactly. And that's, that's kinda more yeah. valuable.
2: And, I, and I, I'm not saying, I, I, what I'm talking about is like, the guys that devoted their life to B-side, it's like decades, it's not like they were in there for three years and I'm out. Like decades, like people that are in the band stay for like 10 years and mm-hmm. then I'm out or five to eight years because you're going to go travel. That's the thing. I promise you're going to travel and you're uh, you're going to have a great time. Yeah. You know, you're going to go see, you're going to go coast to coast. And, and maybe sometimes we'll get to go to Mexico and, and, you know,
0: it's different though, too, traveling. Cause even on tour, like you go somewhere like, People are always saying like, oh, it's, you're so lucky you get to travel. And yes, I am lucky, but it's different because when I go on, on tour, it's like I, I, m- most of my day is at the venue or the night or whatever. Yeah. I have a couple hours. But at the same time, you you end up creating friendships and you end up seeing things differently than if you were there as a tourist. For and, sure. You, you see the other side of it. The, you see yeah. the real side of things. And I, yeah. that is really valuable.
2: It is. like and, and it's the small towns that I really fell in love with that I still go visit to this day. Like, um, I don't know what it is with Idaho. They really love. I think it 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 was it has to do with like ten piece Latin band from San Diego, like a little flyer, and it's like it's something that like it's appealing to them. Like, what the? I gotta go check this yeah, out. If I was know? in Idaho and I saw that, I'd. Be you like, know what I mean? What the fuck is that? And so that's how we and that Colorado, like the Rockies, we just murdered it because the people were just like intrigued by that like oh nine piece band from san diego latin band and that's it there wasn't no social media back then there was no way to blow up the show that it was just like a, a flyer you know or like yeah at the club or word of mouth um come check and that's how i would come you know i would see the bands that would come to san diego too the same way it was different times different times but um definitely like people were intrigued by the whole Latin band from San Diego and they were just like oh man this is awesome this is the party it was a party
0: but it's uh, the weird thing is like just that little introduction like how do we get this cause kinda, kinda like how like I knew Sergio was in B-side and I was mm-hmm. like hey, I gotta check this out but then when we did those shows together The Locust and, and Sonito, people it's like what is this and then they see it and they're like oh shit I get yeah. it like this is the jam you know it just they need that little connection or little piece of information
2: yeah for sure and that and then like the sonido thing is just became something where we were all like let's let's record and let's do a, a recording project to like got to open up for the locus and and i i really like this i really i think we should we should pursue the traveling thing and now Um, Of course, during these COVID times, like it's it's hard to book anything. But, um, you know, for sure, if if we weren't in these circumstances, like this is a band that would like the Sonila Project would be touring like nationally or international right now because.
0: Well, what about the the nine or ten piece band to a three piece band? That's got to be like a mind fuck for you, right?
2: It, no, it's not, it's, it. yeah, it is, it's super easier, and it's, like, the thing with the big band is, like, it, Everyone's you know, separates in little parts, like, the, you get three people going over there, and three people going over there, and then it's, like, all right, and so the band is always, kind of, like, doing separate things, it's not united, but with a small band, I really love it, because we're just all together at all times, yeah. and
0: Oh, I guess
2: I meant like on this on stage. On stage, oh yeah, the, the dynamics are way different. Um, with the big band, for me, I'm like the the person that's like I'm on. Hey, let's work on our dance steps. Let's be more united. And that's kind of hard because it's it's a bunch of uh. it's a bunch of dudes, you know. And but I've always been. Uh, my dad's band was always like a visual band yeah. because they dressed in in like the same suits, like. The 70s leisure suits, they would have every color every night. It was such a pleasant like sight just just to see the band was like amazing because they were just all unified and they were just it was it was just uh, synced up to where like they look good together. And I've always wanted. Uh, B side to be like that, but it was so hard to do. Like, no. we never had the budget to have like different suits yeah. tailored to us every yeah. night. So yeah. I always let everyone gave the freedom to dress what they wanted to dress, but at the same time, that affected us too. Because it, to me, like, it's not what I wanted. It's not what I wanted to see. Like, so you have some people dress like shit, and you have a, a guy dress nice. <laughs> yeah, that's already bad. Yeah. it's already uh, bad yeah. visual. So I was always really like unsatisfied with that. So one time I made everyone like I'm gonna fuck this. So I got fucking whyaveras. I'm all this is cheap. I, so I bought uh, everyone the same whyaveras. I'm gonna wear black pants, wear black shoes. So now we're all dressed alike, and so now we look like a bunch bunch of fucking waiters, and people are like ordering drinks from us. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> dude. So when I went to, when you know, when I was on tour with the Locusts and they're all fucking dressed to like am all, that's fucking shh that's badass. It's a vibe, it's a vibe. And I've always loved that, like the 70s bands, like the bands that would always, you know, dress in fucking the same suits. Uh, that shit's another level, yeah. dude. Like a whole nother visual, another level. And it just like, you look good together, you play good together, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Uh. There's, there's definitely a unity. Yeah, you see, you see that live on stage. Well, or like looking like a gang
0: or something. You're like, okay, there's, you know, a couple hundred people here, and there's five people that look like they're super fucked. That's yeah. got to be a band, you know? And <laughs> like, that's the jam. Like, and then also
2: like, yeah, coming from like the punk rock musicians and straight edge, uh, those guys are, you know, they, they had a style like back then. Like when you look at, when you look at the videos and the pictures of them they had a style yeah like they
1: a, could get away with
2: they had a really simple style
1: Downplaying yeah. it yeah it, down wasn't, it was it was
2: kind of like
0: but you know what's the most iconic you know punk band is like like the Ramones you mm-hmm. know and they all fucking looked sick together exactly uh, but I remember growing up leather thinking, jackets yeah but There's. they all had like denim jeans yeah, and, you know, like they all had a thing but like mm-hmm. I would look at bands like the damned which which I love that band and i'd always trip out on dave and looks like fucking vampire and the rest of them look like (laughs) punkers and i'm like what that's just weird like why don't they all look like vampires like that would have been so badass but i Mm -hmm. i I think even with the locust and stuff too like subconsciously we gravitated towards looking like something because we grew up like really being some of us being fans of like the later beatles or even Mm -hmm. the earlier beatles but you know or even in the punk world like this band nation of Ulysses, like they Mm -hmm. rolled up all in suits and shit and like they looked different and that was yeah. really important you yeah. know it made a, it was a statement upon itself because you wanted to stand out
2: uh, for sure and that like um going back to the acid jazz scene when we started that was like um you know when you talk about jazz like the way they would dress I and mean, they would dress you know you, you back in the days like a, any jazz musician you you had to, you had to look good you know what i mean that was yeah. part of part of your gig and, but it was—it wasn't like a, um, everybody knew. You got a jazz gig, you look good. You yeah. know what I mean? You never uh,
0: could like sh- roll up in like shorts and never, flip-flops. never.
2: Mm-hmm. So that goes back to B side when the white guy came into the band. <laughs> <laughs> Say his name. So, um, so Joaquin, this kid came from uh, Otai from chicken farm, and his thing was uh, his brother Tisok. When Tizoc got his shit together and was like, Okay, I wanna play music again uh, Joaquin left B side to to, you know, be with his brother, which was like, you know, I, I had no problems with their family first. Like, go be with your brother, you know, your brother needs you. And and that's when Agua Dulce they formed Agua Dulce was just a band like so similar to B Side, like like yeah. to this day people compare us, like, oh All you the guys night. are the same. But so they so we lost our drummer and that was like hard because he's irreplaceable. Like like how are we gonna find a drummer that can play, you know, Afrobeat, funk, reggae, soul, like um and and know all the different rhythms of, you know, like clave and salsa and like merengue and like how are we gonna find someone? So of course you know we had some players in the uh san diego state the jazz band the the a band or whatever and uh somebody referred us to this this white kid his name is ryan moran and this kid was like schooled in in like african drumming, and he was he was like one of those kids that would just practice to the metrodome you know like he was just like pocket and we brought him in and the kid was badass and he Pretty much did what I thought no one else could do was play all those rhythms <laughs> yeah, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, took, he did what Joaquin did and everything. I'm like, oh man, okay. So, we did our first show at the Belly Up with him, and he fucking rolled up in fucking Birkenstocks and tie dye. <laughs> and I was like, oh fuck. Like, it I didn't say anything, but I just go, I, I it was like that what was that video of Perry Farrell, when he's on stage and someone threw, throws a Birkenstock at him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he fucking, he's like, not only are, you know, you're a fucking asshole throwing that, but your fucking whole sense of style is fucking, wow, whatever, yeah, he said yeah. something like that. Uh, I was like, oh, man, whatever. But but he's behind the drum set, so I'm like, fuck it. Let him do his thing, dude. He's a fucking drummer. And so he just murdered it. And he fucking toured with us for seven years. <laughs>
0: uh. and, did you uh, have to talk with him though? About no, the, I uh, never did. Never. I let
2: him do his thing. Eventually, he just started feeling out of the circle and started dressing like us, you know. And um at that time, I was wearing cowboy boots. I didn't give a fuck. So there wasn't there was no way he was gonna dress like me. Yeah. I saw everyone was doing their own thing, and it was like the jam band era. It was like the late '90s where we were just doing hippie towns and doing like fifteen minute songs and hippies were just going off, dude. <laughs> this was like two years of my life. What like,
0: would you do as a vocalist when that happened? Um
2: I was playing the trumpet. Oh. And we would go into these long songs. And that was cool about about B side is we, we could cater to the hippies. Mm-hmm. And this was like pre like Fish and Galactic, like when these bands these bands we were touring with these bands and they weren't big yet now that these bands are huge like you know what i mean like fish galactic and so i can't i can't wrap around that stuff and and it was like i love you guys your energy is so (laughs) rad can i hug you every night you know your energies give me another hug they're trying to steal that chicago i loved it i (laughs) loved it no i loved it because it was peace and love like peace and love i'm all about that I lived yeah. that lifestyle and it was great. The drugs were great. The drugs were yeah. clean. Uh-huh. Everyone had a good time. Um, it was a good time. But so we were doing that, and next thing you know, Slightly Stupid offers us. They were a three-piece band from uh, Ocean Beach, and these guys were like, "We're on the ro- we're back home," and they're like, I want to take you on the road, and we're going to do this this fucking the Rockies, like cold, like Vale, Breckenridge, like all the." all the ski towns oh let's go and we want b-side to open up Oh my! Like, you want a fucking nine-piece band to open up for a three-piece <laughs> band like are you sure you want this like, yeah we don't give a fuck. like we're killing it like we do what we want we're like let's go wow. so then we fucking do this tour and now we're like drinking vodka red bulls every night right. and it's like the whole fucking, um it's like the uh What's it, the snowboarder vibe? Like the whole different, like, it's like a whole different world, you yeah. know what I mean? The X-Game vibe. Uh, and at that time, Slightly Stupid was mixing punk rock with reggae and there were more punk rock on the punk rock level. Yeah. But their version of punk rock, which was yeah. like, whatever. pop, It's pop, not pop. what you, yeah. Yeah. you're punk rock. It's like. Pussy punk? <laughs> yeah, or <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. So, so we finish the tour, we get home and like, I get home and then Raimo, the drummer, Ryan's like, so I'm leaving the band, I'm done. They were just like, uh, during the whole tour, they were like uh, talking about, uh, okay. we're gonna take you away from B-side, and we're gonna promise, we got this, how much money does he pay you? We're gonna pay you this, cool. And not only did they take him away, but they were trying to take Mike, our percussionist away. So now when you see Slightly Stupid live, they're a nine piece band. Yeah. They're not they a, are? Yeah.
1: yeah, they have the horn section. They yeah. have the percussion. So they
2: wanted what we, what we had. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. So from that tour, there were never a three-piece band ever again. They had a, oh. perc- they had a three-piece horns. So now they're like, they were like, we want this sound.
0: I man. have to admit, on principle alone, I never listened to that band just because it, the name in itself is actually really stupid, yeah. not slightly, but very. The- I just don't know. So
2: I didn't have a problem with it because I'm on, dude i fucking i never thought that i could replace joaquin but i'll find another drummer and yeah. i did i found another, so i never had a problem with the whole whatever go do your thing like congratulations and ryan to this day plays a slightly stupid wow. but the thing that bothers me the most and this is the whole thing is he hit a level in a nice level like which uh I wish upon er- every musician where, like, you're comfortable, you're making money, like, you have ability to buy a house and support your family off music. That's that's amazing. Like, I've been doing that all my life. You know, I don't know. There's not a lot of musicians that can do that. That's, like, a blessing, you know what I mean, where you could buy a house off music. Mm-hmm. And he reached that level. Now, Mom, that's awesome. I'm happy for you. But he reached a level also where he was, like, on – drummer magazine and he was like he hit the fame mm-hmm. like you know what I mean so I would be like oh man Ramo's big time yeah. so I would go read his articles and he's like so how did you how did you meet with Slightly Stupid so I came to study in San Diego San Diego State and I met Slightly Stupid and boom we hit it off and now we're touring the world Yeah, and I'm like Okay, he forgot a little bit about the seven years he was with us. Okay, let me let me check this other article up. Maybe he mentioned us in this other article. So what's up with, how did you, you know, how, how did you come to horses from the Bay Area to with the Slightly Stupid from San Diego? How did you join the band? Well, like we were, I was, came to study in San Diego and then I joined Slightly Stupid and boom, it was off from there. Now we're traveling the world. <laughs> I'm like, this fool forgot about like the whole, his whole B side, seven years that he did with B side players, yeah. how he traveled and like, you know, he played different rhythms and everything. Like, we pretty much, we schooled this guy. We we got him under our wings and his Birkenstocks and we took him on the world <laughs> and like he became a touring musician. Never mentioned us. Like, he was ashamed. Wow. Ashamed to be in our band, dude. That's what that's the way that's the only thing I can think of like how my musical career I mentioned everything all the shitty bands I played with yeah all the bands like I, I mentioned that because that's your career that's how you yeah. got to where you're at yeah and you can't exclude that your history you know yeah. especially 7 years 2 years of a mu- of like where you who you played with to get where you're at you can't erase that. Like that's part of your. Totally. So he, to this day, dude, he will he will not mention that he played with us, mm. and uh, it's like he wants to exclude that part. He wants to. I fucking studied at San Diego State, dude. and I joined slightly stupid, and I hit the big time. That's yeah. his story.
0: He missed the only thing that has street cred.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. He doesn't want the street cred though. He doesn't uh. want it because he was. He's. He would explain like I was the only white boy in that band, and yeah, they fucking talk shit to me and <laughs> they fucking. But, dude, he was part of our band. Like we would yeah. stay in, in his with his parents and Marin in the barrio. We'd have dinners. I took him to meet my family in in Sinaloa. My family, my grandfather who died, met him and fucking pictures. Like he knows yeah. all my, everyone in my family, my kid. My kid fucking's known him since he was born. Like, he's part of my family. Yeah. And he fucking, that you hurt. You don't talk to him anymore? Nah, dude, that yeah. fucking hurt me really bad. Cause it's like, dude, I'm proud of you, bro. Like, you're fucking big time, but throw a bone out. Throw a bone, like, uh. like don't forget about where you come from, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, man. Like, uh, Ozo Motley, man, I love Ozo Motley, And they're like the homies. And we started, you know, B-Side started a little earlier than they did. And when they, when they came out, they were like, dude, Carlos, we want to come to San Diego. Let's do this, dude. We fucking played Bodies together, and I got on fucking shows. But when you're in L.A., opportunities are just there. You know what I mean? Like, especially if you're a hot band that's coming up. And Carlos Santana scooped them up, and they went on the road. And when I started calling them to return those favors, they were they just never answered my calls. Mm-hmm. They were just... And I was like, "All right, it's like that." But that's why, like, I never liked LA. That's why mm-hmm. I skipped LA because I knew it was like that. Uh-huh. I knew it was people like they want something from you, but when it comes, oh, yeah. to, you know what I'm saying? Like, and San Diego like mm-hmm. is not like that, and the Bay is not like that. With
1: the exception of that band from Ob.
2: But um, so which,
0: which band? Slightly stupid. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a weird thing too, though, because what about like San Diego music? Always has such a diverse mix of stuff. Because people probably were tripping out on B side or even like Sonido, like, like what is this, you know? And you're like, but it doesn't matter. It's just good, right? Yeah. It's just good music. Just don't worry about it. Like if B side was taking all those influences from, you were saying like salsa and cumbia, you know, Afrobeats yeah, and like all these different elements of music. Why do people need to find a, a terminology for it? Like just let it be good.
2: Yeah, and back then there was no, there was no um, scene, um, there was no genre to. To exploit that kind of music, so there was no way we were gonna be on the radio. Plus, it was mm-hmm. Spanish, we were right? recording songs in uh, half. Our records were half Spanish, half uh, English, yeah. so bilingual, and that was a no-no. And not only that, but um, our songs were like 13 minutes long, and that was like okay, so you're not gonna be on the radio. Yeah. And we're not, but we weren't trying to be on the radio. We were already like let's make people dance you know what i mean and let's just groove and we just st- we stuck to that forever so we were always a touring band and we never relied on radio we never yeah the radios invited us to come but it was always like some you know college town shit underground radio like world music type shit and they were just like cool and we never intended to be on that was never our purpose mm-hmm. our purpose was like play to play and, yeah and, but
0: still like what bands that are like 13 minute jam songs are huge well maybe fucking maybe mars volta that could that yeah. was a weird thing too it's like how does how does that become such a huge but they were already big from they were the already big so, yeah yeah i but mean i th- set it
2: up that's like i don't know but that's also like i think all of us were all fans of mars volta and the and their their musicians like we've always loved that kind of music where and when it blows up, and when they blow, when they blew up, it was like, oh, this is dope. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is, they deserve it. But like, that's
0: a, I mean, but watching watching B side play, I I can see like, uh, this is no disrespect to anyone, but I when I watch when I watch B side play, I could see uh, like a traditional sort of music t- type of music when i would when i would go see mars volta i'm like what in the fuck are these guys doing like everyone's soloing right. like i should be on drugs but i'm yeah. not like right. how does this major you know label shit or like mainstream stuff where like normal fucking people are digging this and, you yeah. know that was the thing like you know you know what i'm saying like it doesn't seem accessible where like i think b-side should have been huge like totally accessible musically
2: yeah i think it's just also like um the timing too like you know what I mean? Like, as far as, like, now... Oh, the lottery. When you listen to lottery, commercial right? radio, now now you hear Spanish songs, mm-hmm, yeah. and now it's a thing where... But back then, they were like, dude, do not... If, if you're gonna make a record, like, English or Spanish, don't mix the both. Yeah. Like, that's... Like, we can't help you with that. And it was like, so what do you mean, help us what? Like, what do you mean? Well, we can't help you, like, uh, put it in a genre where we can categorize it and sell it and it's like it's difficult for us and i'm like okay well fuck dude i'm bilingual i'm fucking you know like wow. with this project with sonido i don't have a choice because luke is like fucking militant he's like no english songs I'm like <laughs> fuck dude really i just
1: can't hear it
2: so i can't he won't let me sing a song <laughs> in english and that's fine but but that that's like it's in the reverse. If you're gonna tell me no Spanish songs, I'm gonna fuck you. Yeah, you know of course. I mean?
0: Yeah. But what what about that? Like any kind of Spanish music, whatever like style, it all becomes Latin music yeah. by industry standards. Like it could be anything, mm-hmm. you know? Like I don't know, I and mean, fucking even like Los Crudos or whatever, all the you know, like their they all their songs were in Spanish. Like uh, they they were never ca- categorized as like a Latin band, they were just a hardcore band. Yeah.
2: And it's just fucking crazy to me, like now like hipsters going to Barrio Logan and they're like, "Do you have any solitarios? Do you have any bookies? diablos? Do you have los moonlights?" And I'm like, uh, "Those records are like a hundred bucks." And they're like, "Yeah, do you have any?" And I'm like, "Fuck, dude, really? Like, like now, like that mu Anything that's old <coughs> '60s, '70s, like Spanish music, like of that genre?" Is like the hipsters are now. They know about it. Everything came back, dude. Like the lowrider music, uh, the Chicano music, the the old, um, psych, uh garage psychedelic uh, bands from from you know Mexico that were just laughed like they laughed at them. Like this sounds terrible. Yeah. Those records are like five hundred dollars to a yeah. thousand. Like they're rare.
0: But what about like? Do you think? This is a this is a t- probably a weird question to answer, but do you think your like B side and Sonido and all uh, everything you do has also benefited from
2: that? No, I think in later in the future it's it's gonna be like that. Like, do you have a B side? Fucking, you know, yeah, five hundred dollars. Like, like, it's gonna be like that. Yeah. Like, and my dad it happened the same thing. My dad never, you know, of course he lived the when they were when they were at their prime, they were just killing it. Flying everywhere and staying nice hotels and doing nice gigs, but he never fucking hit the the money jackpot. Mm-hmm. He was just part of a band. So now when like when I'm my dad, your records are fucking worth like a hundred to three hundred dollars, and he's like, "What the fuck, you know?" Yeah. And well, how did that happen? He's, there's not they're not rare like there are RCA. There's there's fucking made a million of them. Yeah. And I'm like, no, they're just hard to find because the people that played your records on them played them like grinded them to the fucking didn't play no more. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, you know what I mean?
1: I remember one time somebody tried to diss me or joke.
2: They're like, haha, oh, I saw your record
1: at the Swap Meet. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> because that meant the distributor picked it up, mm-hmm. sold it to a record shop, somebody bought it. And now somebody's selling it. It was nothing about, like, the music yeah. being shitty. Yeah. It was just, like, it's been handed down. I was, like, I felt fucking great, like, yeah. that it was being mm-hmm. sold at the Swap Meet where I get my fucking records. Which record it was, was like? It? Do you remember? It was the very first uh, break album that oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, like, this is where I came from was from the fucking Swap Meet. Yeah. And to be back, yeah. I was, like, dude, there's no, like... I never took that bad, you know. And then now I see them yeah. on like discogs and all that shit for way more than what we were selling them for. So I'm like, fuck yeah. But
0: I wonder, like, maybe you could, maybe some of the punk roots or whatever, like how we, where we all came from. Like, it never. I mean, yeah, it's like it's really nice to get paid, and mm-hmm. and that's great. But but we never really set out to do it to make money. Mm-hmm. We did it because we wanted to make art, and that was the most important thing. It was mm-hmm. when when you're setting. And it's also just me like I don't know the people and fucking slightly stupid or whatever But like someone probably thinks like we got to do this because this will make money Mm -hmm. It's like no you should have just did it or by yourself on your own like Mm -hmm. from your heart
1: not from your wallet Yeah, searching for what would make money. What's gonna be the next I mean like the same thing (laughs) their fucking project B side tour where they were just juicing you guys To fucking Finally become That mm-hmm. You know They're like Oh this is what's Fucking doing it And they I think have- I
2: think it's just that We inspired them To like Alright Like Do we want to be A three piece band Or do Do we want to take Our shit to another level mm-hmm. But they will never Give us credit For that no. yeah. Never You know And Not only do they Take my musicians And Change their whole Like Identity But Like Not even like a Hey, why don't you fucking, now that we're headlining the Red Rocks or headlining Petco Park, come fucking open up for us, homie. We love you. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. Like, but
2: I don't even care about that. I just care about the history, like Hold the on. written history. Like, dude, mention that you fucking were in B Side Players, dude. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's all I want. Credit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mention that you fucking, before you were in this band, you were in this band. Uh, like, so that people understand, like...
1: The history. The
2: history. Huh. And the... You know what I mean? Don't be ashamed of that shit. Uh, Don't. But
0: maybe it's on his character, you know? I mean, I played with this guy in my first band, Struggle, and he ended up becoming the one of the main dudes in, like, uh, Blackheart procession and uh-huh. stuff. And, oh, yeah. You know, he was it was rad. We were in high school together. He played in Struggle. And we were a terrible, you know, crust punk metal band, yeah. whatever. But he's embarrassed of it. And it's like, well... We were fucking 16 years old, dude. Like, yeah. just, who cares? But I think maybe, and I don't know, his name's Toby. I don't know him that well anymore. But I, I do think, I wonder if he just is not necessarily embarrassed, but just maybe just sad where he's at yeah. or unhappy where he's at. Like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I did. I was in a really bad band when I was 16, 15 or whatever. Like, and I had fun, and I had to do that band to get to the next thing. Yeah. I don't know. Not that, like... I mean, fuck, going back to the B-side yeah. um, thing with, with um, slightly Stupid. And to
2: me, like, I, to me, like, really, like, all I have is, like, my San Diego. Like, San Diego, mm-hmm. I'm really proud of. Yeah. Like, I represent San Diego wherever I go. Like, that's my shit. I'm from San Diego, wherever I'm at. But
0: he's not from San Diego. No,
2: he's not from that's San part, Diego. That's and that's another to, thing, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. But, but like, that's the thing that I have in me where, like, wherever I go, like, I'm on. What, what kind of music you like, you know? like wherever I'm at, and they're like, oh, you're from San Diego? Like, oh dude, yeah, I know about San Diego. Like, you know, I fucking love the album Leaf. I'm like, oh, you like the album Leaf? Oh, I fucking played trumpet on Tristesa records. You're like, well, what? <laughs> shut the
1: fuck up, yeah. I have that
2: re-. And like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I like P.O.D., well fuck, you know, P.O.D., me and Marcos grew up together, and Marcos, I got him his first job, when you know right before they hit it big and me and will are home mm. like what there's a connection you mm. know what i mean like you know now like all oh, the locusts oh fuck and i play with the locusts you know i it's like something that when i'm on the road dude like that's my fucking route, the san diego yeah and that's what combines like all this shit so that's why i get offended when like you fucking don't San, like you forget about your sure. Your history But well,
0: you got the guy From San Diego State It's not like you found him At the Che yeah, no, yeah. Or you know mm-hmm. You didn't find him In Barrio Logan Like You found him At yeah. the, one of the lamest places on, uh, In the city Like it wasn't somewhere <laughs> fucking cool And culturally relevant <laughs> But irrelevant.
2: the A bands Were pretty big Like Prince mm-hmm. Prince is the trumpet player From the A band The same band Where Rymo was from It's like the The jazz yeah. There's an A B band that, The jazz band That was a
0: I'm they, not okay so I mean but I'm talking about like on a moral
2: yes, ethical yes. issue he
0: was lacking that San Diego DNA. Yeah.
2: So a lot of musicians, you know, from the from state they become working musicians like you're not studying, you know, jazz to become a like yeah. you're studying jazz to be a professional uh perfor- live performance musician. So yeah. Prince, one of the trumpet players there, he ended up being the piano player for Black Eyed Peas who he was sickest trumpet player, one of the best trumpet players I've ever heard. Don't even play the trumpet no more. He plays keys for, yeah. for black eyed peas. It's just like a, it's like a thing. Like you, you graduate. It's like uh, being a, mu- a musician from Berkeley. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It opens doors for you. But as far as San Diego State, like it's not really like credible in that, in that. In that like in New York, you're not gonna be I'm from the A band, from yeah. San Diego State. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like New York, like uh the way like for example, I got a good story um the Grey All Stars and you know, when I said um when fucking Carl Denson would go on the road with uh with um Lenny Kravitz, so it was like the open door, like who's gonna fucking play saxophone? So it's like, Oh, Harold Todd. So now Harold Todd fucking goes to Europe and now there's who's going to play saxophone and this fucking cat Chimmy who's been fucking practicing the saxophone like now it here's your opportunity boom he fucking jumps on it so Chimmy dude like I remember the being at his first show with the great ball he's all nervous cuz dude you're fucking soloing like every song like, it's like a it's a fucking gig you know and he fucking killed it like dude congratulations Chimmy like that was badass and build his confidence and Chimmy was always like the backup musician for every gig. Oh someone someone bailed out, call Chimmy. Well Chimmy went to New York dude and Chimmy fucking paid his dues in New York and New York it's, it's a way harder fucking vibe dude like the jam sessions, you can't just go fucking play you have to be, you have to kill it. Uh. And he fucking fell into the, the community there And he fucking got into the Daptones mm. And the Daptones is pretty much like you Yeah know. Mm-hmm. So now Chimmy has his own records dude Like on Daptone And mm. he's established And fucking paid his dues dude But he did it on his own yeah. You know and it's respected And and he's fucking t- off of San Diego Yeah you sure You know what I mean? yeah. But fuck- maybe it's like
0: that You know like the dude from Chicken Farm Like he didn't get to go to you know san diego state or berkeley he he just had to do the thing and he did it and he and he i don't know I mean, you know what i'm saying yeah. like he did it from nothing and that's that says so much more i think that's more important that mm-hmm. seems like a that seems like fucking san diego to me yeah and it's
2: also a reason like like why like san diego never became the big thing like what they were predicting back in the remember oh san diego's going to be the next fucking this mm-hmm. and that like the music scene it never became that because I think fucking like when opportunities come people bail out like this is kind of like a fucking recruiting zone or something yeah. for LA but
0: also they're like it's gonna be the next of this other thing <laughs> yeah. and you're like no, no, we're our own thing here yeah we're our own
2: thing but it's also like a when when, when doors are open like your people are out like like it's just like I'm out you yeah. know what I mean I'm leaving San Diego.
0: Well that movie um it's gonna blow that came out did you see that? Oh yeah, it's pretty good. Bey is but- on there. Wasn't World. it
2: the drive in and down south and
0: No, no, no. No. Oh, oh, no they're, they're, It's that's, gonna blow. It's like, that's yeah. another movie. It's like a documentary. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's, it's 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 a trip because they talk about that. Like how we were gonna be the you know, San Diego's gonna be the next big Seattle if you watch the documentary it doesn't really dive into it but then there's like there was all that shit like crash worship and oh, that, all the gravity dude. record stuff like there was all the weirdo shit that was happening here that doesn't that's not yeah. seattle never had that you know i mean mm. they had cool shit but like those are some of the best shows
2: it. b-side and crash worship and that reminds when locust when like locust Locus invited us to go on the road with them mm. that that was like dude, that's like Crash Worship asking B side to open up. Like, what is this? Is this like a, is this like an experiment? Is this a joke? <laughs> what is this like? <laughs> like, I'm, I was like, cause I've seen Crash Worship. Like, why do they want us to open up? Like, how did they, that go? Do they want to fucking like, like, do they want to do a, a culture shock? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
0: like, like Doshi I, Doshi I was confused,
2: LC. but then I was like, oh when when we when we started doing the shows with them, I'm like, I fucking get it, dude. I get it. I get it, yeah. and it is a culture shock. Where'd you play game. with
0: Crash Worship? Like, what venues?
2: Uh, fuck, San Diego gigs, like Casbah and shit like that. But um, we did some other, um, some outdoor little, uh, festival events where.
0: Cause that shit was like a circus, you yeah, know. Yeah, it was a circus. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean. That's why, like, I'm a fan of Gogo Bordello bands mm-hmm. like that, like Gypsy fucking crazy shit. Where it's like, what the fuck? It's, Like like there's some polka and some fucking Russian and some crazy shit in here. Mm-hmm. So, I love that. I love the uh-huh. world circus shit. And that was like a band that I was like, dude, this is fucking badass. Mm-hmm. You know, like let's get our shit together, our live show together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Those kind of bands, yeah. like uh, they influence you. And like, and that's another band that people yeah. don't talk, mention anymore. You know what I mean? That was a big thing.
0: Crash Worship? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's legendary yeah. stuff. Oh.
2: but um yeah it's it's has been it's been a it's been definitely like a roller coaster as far as but as far as the musical influence man i feel like for me it's uh it's always i'm always being influenced like to this day like i'm always open-minded and and like uh traveling with you that really influenced my ass a lot like i was like oh man like these fools are the tightest band I've seen in a long time. You know, like, nice. like I haven't seen such tight tightness like that since like Mike Clark, the Headhunters, Herbie Hancock. Mm-hmm. You know, the original Herbie Hancock's band. Like, I'm out the breaks and and mm. like this is jazz funk, but it's so tight. Mm. It's like they they know. They've been playing with each other for so long and the breaks are so crispy and I'm on the Locust is one of the tightest bands mm-hmm. I ever seen live, uh. but that's
0: a good uh, uh, Thank you, but yeah. also like I mean Herbie Hancock. That's yeah. like a huge influence on my, on me growing up You know like that stuff all that shit seeps in where I think a lot of maybe a lot of people don't um, They're not open to that, yeah. you know,
2: but that's it's just it. like the breaks everything. I was like, oh man This is so clean isn't uh. This is another, it was it was really good for, it was meant to be. I, I'm so glad that that I got the chance to like, you know, be with you guys um and watch you guys play like different shows. Cause it's just like, this is, the, there's a reason why I'm here right now. Like musically, I'm all, this is okay. And it just put me in a whole thing of like, all right, I'm going back to rehearsing again. Like, cause we stopped rehearsing like, Besides thought rehearsing like ten years ago we just don't rehearse anymore
0: uh-huh. I but I think like to me too working with Luke and then and then discovering Sonido and stuff was an awesome obviously it was awesome in its own but then when he would I mean I like I think when we started talking about like letting 3 1g put out the record I was like this is probably not the right idea but like we want I want to do this it makes sense to me you mm-hmm. know and that shit was like I don't know that was an honor in itself it's like really it's, yeah, yeah, it's honorable to have the band on the label for so many reasons musically, but also just culturally and also personally. Like, yeah. that shit's the, what it's all about. Colton Culture is proudly sponsored
1: by Earthquaker Devices. Planet B. Planet B.